Hello, and welcome to the last episode for the Serendipity podcast for this season. So for this episode, I talked to a TikToker, No Thanks Alex, about being an influencer on TikTok and why she does what she does. Um, so for this episode, I am joined with a TikToker who has about 1.3 million followers and growing. And I came across your TikTok during the beginning of lockdown in the state. Wow. So, <laughs> that was a while ago. <laughs> yeah. So I was kind of surprised. And I was like, I think we were all like in this mood of like, what do we turn to social media? Like we needed an like escape to distract us from exactly <laughs> no I'm I'm right with you I'm right with you so did you have like a, a social media before lockdown like were like you're aware of like the influencing of TikTok or- yeah so I've actually worked in or I've studied digital marketing for a really long time um which includes you know social media marketing influencer marketing stuff like that so I already knew about it and then um in 2019 actually the end of 2019 is when I started um, posting videos on TikTok. I think it was in like November of 2019. And I started gaining followers pretty quickly, um, cause the algorithm was different and different kinds of videos were more likely to go viral at that point. Of course that's changed now. So it's more difficult, but, um, yeah, so I already had a TikTok. I already used Instagram. Um, a couple of my friends, of course, because I'm from LA, a couple of my friends are influencers. So, <laughs> you know, I've been, I've been around it a lot. Do you, do you think like, there was a vast like difference of like influencers people want to be a part of like being in the that kind of like community almost or that like level um it's it's definitely interesting because like I used to want that and now I'm kind of like this is really exhausting and I know a lot of um other people who are creators are kind of having um a moment with that as well but I think there's definitely an aspect of um I don't know, having, having the ability to spend a few hours a week working on stuff and then reaping huge benefits, um, I think is something that everybody wants. Cause it's, it's really similar to the idea of owning your own business. So I think that's why any, like somebody would want to be an influencer or would want to be a creator. Um, but there is a lot more in it than I think people realize. But I do think that during the pandemic that kind of grew because so many people were out of work didn't have jobs or wanted to fill their time with something. And so everybody started craving that kind of like influencer content creator lifestyle, I think, um, and trying to get up to that level, which um, I, I can see why it's like before I thought that was a super desirable life path, but it's really not for everybody. I learned. <laughs> Is it like scary sometimes when you like, cause I was we watch a lot of your like newer and old content and like you always say like there's definitely like a a lot of some people put on like this act of like when you're on camera you're completely a different person not too much of a different person but you act a little more different but then you're kind of like switching yeah there's a little bit of a mask for sure I mean you know if a camera's pointed at you you'll act different 
You know what I mean? It's like, um, if somebody's, tr- if somebody's trying to get like a candid picture of you doing something, but you notice them taking a picture, you immediately start to smile or you try to look cute. It's that kind of thing. Um, so there's always, whether or not it's intentional, there's always going to be some level of a mask. But then if you take, um, uh, influencers like, oh God, who can I even like Trisha Paytas, do you know who she is? No, she is. She's kind of like, if reality TV only existed on social media, that's the only way I can explain her really. She's just really dramatic. She does whatever she wants. She posts like all over different platforms and stuff like that. She, she, she will post like really dramatic things that have like really polarizing effects. So somebody might really like her and somebody might really, really hate her, but there's no in-between. Nobody doesn't have an opinion on Trisha Paytas if you've seen her stuff. Um, so I think that in that regard, that's kind of an extreme embellishment because there's no way she acts like that in real life, that -hmm. kind of thing. But with me, um, you know, I, for the most part, especially recently, I've been trying to act a little bit more like I normally do, um, just because I've gotten really sick of seeing like, I don't know, people in my comment section who are like, oh, you're such a liar, blah, 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 X, Y, and Z. I'm like, well, I'm not. So, um, it's, it's definitely an interesting experience though, because I still do have to maintain a level of privacy. Um, and I have to maintain a character that is relatable and, um, you know, funny and comforting to my audience. So, um, I'm still being like honest, I guess, but there's definitely to some degree, I embellish different parts of um, my content to, you know, fit what's gonna get views essentially. Mm -hmm. Because like whenever you like reply to comments, you sometimes make sure you're like, this is my personal opinion or like, I'm going to teach you, but (laughs) you don't have to to take my word for it. Do you ever think that there's like a crossing the line when you're like telling people something even though oh, for sure. maybe you might be like not experienced, but you're like, I'm done with you. <laughs> like all the time. I mean, I get, especially when I post political content because I, so in college, I double majored in ethnic studies and advertising and I double minored in women's and gender studies and creative writing. Um, so I am really well in, in my ethnic studies class. I, my focus, my specialization was on um, uh, mass incarceration and police brutality. So I'm super well-versed in that subject, but if I post a video about that, you know, that's a very sensitive topic, especially in the U S right now. Um, or, you know, I don't think that's ever going to change and it's been the same for a long time, but people are very sensitive to it. Um, so I'll have people who are just spouting these things in my comments that are just actually incorrect. It's not like it gets to a point sometimes where they're treating their opinion, like it's a fact. And I'm like, dude, that's, that is literally your opinion it's wrong because you're interpreting all of these facts and data that have been provided to you incorrectly, but do whatever you're going to do. And sometimes I'll try to argue with them or I'll try to like put in my two cents in the comment section with them, but it does get to a point sometimes where I can feel myself getting really worked up and I can feel myself getting mean. Cause I'm like, how could somebody be so stupid? Like, how could you be so dumb that sometimes I just have to like give up or they cross a line and I end up, you know, having to um, block them. Like, you know, there are people, especially during the BLM movement, um, last year, particularly because I've been pretty active with BLM since 2016, but, um, with that movement last year, I had a lot of people trying to get my address 
And so anytime somebody would try to get my address, I'd have to go on an entire, I would literally send my computer to um, my friend who works in cybersecurity. And I was like, I need you to deck this out with like every kind of VPN with all these different security measures so that people can't find me. So if somebody tries to find my computer, um, it like bound, it pings in Australia. So they will never find me. <laughs> um, and like, same thing with my phone. My phone, I think, goes to um, Tokyo still. So it's it's one of those things where like I cross lines in my comment section sometimes and other people definitely cross lines, but there's less of a risk for them because their face isn't open on the internet, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think that's interesting because like you, like you said, you grew up in you studied or like lived in um, Japan for a little bit? Yeah, I lived in Japan as a kid. So like, do you think there's a difference? This is so off topic. Do you think there's a no, difference in, like, like how people perceive like, because uh, we also have like that issue of like people bashing on Asians and within like mm-hmm. the country as well. So like, do you think that that's also like how people treat Americans versus how like we treat um, Asian American, like there's definitely a perspective on that, but like you don't really think about that unless you're like maybe in it. <laughs> yeah, do, you, in it. Do you mean like being an influencer in like Japan versus being an influencer in the US? Yeah. How would you want people to be more like aware of mm. aware of it, but without being like insensitive to each other's cultures? Okay. Yeah. So I think. Um, it's kind of a fine line to walk as somebody who's like super multicultural. Cause I was born abroad. I'm half Filipino, um, half American, but I grew up in Japan and America. It's I've had a very unique experience. And I think that on social media, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of assumptions. And I think there's a lot of misinterpretation when it comes to like race and ethnicity and how we're supposed to treat other people. And I do find that a lot of people who um, are trying really hard to respect other cultures sometimes cross a line. And that's when you, you know, get into the territory of gatekeeping almost like, for example, there was this guy um, who runs an account where he just makes really pretty coffee and tea beverages, like beautiful, beautiful drinks. And he made this cup of matcha, like a a matcha tea. Um, and people were like, Oh, you did it. It's all these white people in the comments were like, you're making the matcha wrong. Like that's super insensitive to Japan. They were sending him death threats over tea. And then a bunch of Japanese people like came to his rescue and were like, he didn't do anything wrong. What are you talking about? So I think, I think there's a fine line in like, um, you know, you, you've got to be able to make jokes, take jokes, but also still be culturally sensitive because everybody comes from a different place. Everybody has, you know, a different um, perception and experience in life. So, and I think on social media, like I've said it before, I post a one minute video and everybody thinks it's my entire thought process and my entire opinion and that I've explained every little detail um, of like a story that happened. And that's when I think people get unsen- insensitive because they'll make assumptions about what I did or didn't do or what I did or didn't say or how I could have acted better. And, you know, it's like everybody has their two cents when it comes to social media, regardless of if it has to do with Asian Americans or white Americans or um, immigrants or foreigners or whatever. Like it, it's, I think everybody's just really insensitive. And I think the best way to go about it is learning, being excited to learn about other cultures, but I do think that social media can help in that process, but I think it's doing more harm than good. Mm -hmm. So 
we also think of like mental health as like maybe is social media like affecting like the younger generation or even like like any anybody mm-hmm. like doesn't have to be younger generation but like anybody so like we definitely have grown up at least like for our age because I think yeah yeah for our age I'm 23 so I'm I'm in the same boat as you yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we kind of grew up on the stage of like we were like with Instagram being born and Twitter being like there and like mm-hmm. all this thing this need of like putting our face on social media or like having a big like multiple platforms just to be acknowledged this thing of like when is it too far that we need to step back and think about why and how much we are posting yeah um I think it's super important especially with I'm seeing it a lot with younger kids like my my well not really even kids my younger brother isn't super active on social media, but then my best friend's younger sister, who's the same exact age, they're uh, 18 and 19. um, She's extremely active on social media and you can see the difference in their mental health. Granted, they're very different people, but I mean, like even myself, I, my mental health was already not great to begin with. And it definitely did not get better with TikTok, for example. Um, And I think that a lot of people now because we can turn to social media and it's not inherently a bad thing but I think a lot of people you know when you doom scroll you just scroll in for like three hours three plus hours and you're just like I'm gonna keep going because I don't feel like doing anything else I think a lot of people are missing out on uh, especially kids are missing out on really amazing aspects of their life because of social media and their parents when they were younger didn't set up healthy boundaries for them to be able to exhibit that kind of self-control when they're scrolling where it's like okay it's been 30 minutes maybe I should take a break Um, Because even I do that, like I'll find myself just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Um, And I know like I make money off of TikTok, like it's kind of like a job, but that doesn't mean I should sit there scrolling the entire time kind of thing. Um, And I think I think it takes a toll on people's mental health for sure, because imagine all the hobbies you could have and all of the places that you could have gone to see all the things you could be doing if you weren't sitting there letting your body just like morph into the couch. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think that there is a line that people cross. And I think there is a point that people do need to take a step back from social media and think about why they're so invested in it. Um, and I think that threshold's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Because there's definitely people who say like, oh, if you never, if you don't capture the moment, did it happen? It's like, yes, it happened because- it's like, I- yeah, I was enjoying it. I mean, that's it, that's a great example because I actually wrote something forever ago because I was reading all my old poetry from my creative writing class. I was like, why did I only write about sad things? And I was like, oh, because I was out enjoying my happy things. I wasn't sitting there writing about it. Like I was out doing the happy things, but when I'm sad, I sit and I mope, right? So I think it's one of those things like, I don't think everything needs to be posted on social media. I just, I don't think it does. Um, and if that's somebody's prerogative, that's great. But then they, you start looking at your life in a much more transactional kind of way where you start going out and doing things to post a picture when you should be going out and doing things. And if you get a picture, that's great. You know? Mm-hmm. So I think people need to make that distinction a little bit more and kind of uh, do a little bit of self-reflection. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is something I, I can't figure out if it's like a a good thing or a bad thing is like, does a verification, like a blue check mark on social media define you as a, like anybody in the influencing like, community? Like, is it like you've made it to the, the, the top of like your success because you have a blue check mark or is it just like, cool? 
I think a lot of people get really excited about it because it's, it's definitely like the next tier, um, that you can get to when you're like an influencer or a content creator, or even a small celebrity or a small musician who's finally made it big. Um, I think it can be an exciting step, but honestly, it's not necessary unless, uh, influencing or content creation or social media somehow has a huge impact on your career. Um, because the blue check mark makes you more valuable. So more brands are going to reach out to you. Um, you're going to get more sponsorships. You're going to get more opportunities on TV, on other people's like YouTube channels or whatever else, you know, it's, it's like, it's like, um, I don't know. It's like buying something on sale versus buying like the new collection of clothes that just came out. The blue check mark is new and fresh and trustworthy. And, you know, nobody's worn it before. Nobody's tried it on. It hasn't been like, it's, it's new. It's the new style. And then you can go to the clearance rack, which is people without the blue check mark. And it's still valuable and people still like it. But if you can afford the blue check mark, if you can afford the new stuff that people really want, why wouldn't you go in that direction instead? You know, so it, it's more of a marketing thing um, than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the last question is like, what's your opinion? Because you always comment about like being in a re- retail job and like, can't, like <laughs> the can't affect. Yeah. So I'm like, I, is that like a good thing or a bad thing or you just do for like comedy or like why? Like, why am I on TikTok? <laughs> ultimately it's a good question trust me I have asked myself this a million times so I started posting for fun because I was bored I just moved to a new city I didn't have a lot of friends and I was like yeah I'll you know I'll download this app and that seems to be popular and I'm gonna you know try it out so I tried it out and it ended up being successful and then um when the pandemic started I yeah I was you know we were all laid off um at the restaurant I was actually working at um And then I used TikTok as my primary source of income at that point. So it was super, super important. It was like my job. And then when I moved back to LA about, oh God, last June, um, I got another job and TikTok became a hobby again, which felt really nice. Um, Just because I'm going to be completely honest with you. And I can say this is true for a lot of other people who are, you know, have a lot of followers or even would be considered influencers on TikTok. A lot of us aren't enjoying it a lot anymore. Um, The app has, um, there's a lot of censorship issues within the app. And there's, you know, there's some problems with that. And um, the creator fund, which is what you can make money from on TikTok if you don't have a brand sponsorship where it's where the app pays you per thousand views. Um, That how much you get paid has fluctuated so much where all of a sudden people were making, let's say somebody was making like $300 every two days, all of a sudden it jumped down to a hundred and no one knows why we weren't warned, nothing. Like people's income got like chopped right in half. Um, So I think a lot of people are, upset. And that's why I stopped relying on TikTok because now I have like an amazing digital marketing job. Cause that's been my goal the entire time. I never wanted to be an influencer. I used TikTok for a while. Yes. As a primary source of income, but also as a way to study social media marketing. Um, so you can see there's parts of my, um, profile where if you're scrolling through videos, you'll see a complete shift in like my personality or the types of videos that I'm posting. Like it just, it jumps around a lot. And that was me experimenting. So TikTok was never really a full-time job for me, except for those few months where I was laid off during the pandemic. That was it. Um, So luckily I don't have to work retail anymore, but 
even even when I was working retail, uh, TikTok wasn't really the the primary focus. It was more of a hobby. Um, what about like the count of when people like videotape people having a whole full on yelling? Oh, fest? all the Karens and stuff yeah. like that. Um, those are funny. That never happened at my store, like where we got anything on video. Um, but we had plenty of them because I was working in a really, it's the town that I grew up in when I moved from Tokyo to the U S. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a really wealthy town and a lot of people have a, you know, pretty large sense of entitlement and a lot of people are really friendly, but there's the select few who would come in and have full meltdowns. And if I had had my phone on me at the time, I totally would have filmed them. Um, and I probably would have posted it too, but, um, people who post all those like Karen meltdowns, I'm honestly super grateful for them because I can go through the comments and see how many people are actually on the side of like the customer service workers. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Yeah. You don't think like when they, when they say like, get the camera out of the face, it's not like them either like saying, I don't want to be on camera because there are people who like might not want to be on camera for like security reasons. If they have like a, with legal rights and all that. So maybe. Absolutely. I think, I think there is um, all that stuff to a degree, but I do think that if you're an adult and you are wildly misbehaving in public, like you're yelling at someone or you're throwing something, you have it coming. Yeah. You live in like these, these adults have lived through the development of technology. And if there, there's this quote and it's um, I don't remember who said it, but it's, if you wanted me to write kind, or if you wanted me to write warmly about, about you, you should have behaved better. You know? So it's like, if you don't want to be on camera in an age where everybody has a camera in their back pocket, don't be a dick. Like, don't, don't be rude. Excuse me for swearing, but you know, it's like, don't melt down, don't throw it at people. I think, yes, it poses a security problem. And no, I don't think every instant, like every instance has to be recorded on a phone. Um, but a lot of people, I believe, say, get that phone out of my face because they don't want to be caught doing what they're doing. You know, people only yell at customer service workers because they think that customer service worker is powerless. You know, it's them taking their anger out on this person who can't fight back. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, uh, I think that those people are reaping the repercussions of their own behaviors, their own bad behavior, you know? Yeah. Um, just like what last like advice question is there was somebody who like in 10, 10 to 20 years or even five years, if TikTok is still around and like as successful and big, or like they grow like to be more, more Just massive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, do you think that more like kids, even younger, like are trying to become like be TikTokers, be influencers, and like what advice would you give them if they wanted to pursue a career? Yeah, um, I definitely think you like don't follow your dreams. Yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely think that a lot of people um, are going to start turning that into a career goal. And I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with it if it's what you really want to do. If you want to do it because you want to get invited to parties and you want to um, make a bunch of money. And because you think it's an easy job, don't do it, go do something else. 
it's not an easy job. If you want to actually be an influencer, you have to have a manager, you have a marketing team, you have to write scripts, you have to go to meetings, you have to, you know, make guidelines for all your content, you have to have a logo, you have an entire team of people who you employ, who are relying on you to have a job. Like they're jobless if you stop making content and they're jobless if you slack off. Um, so I think a lot of people think it's a lot easier than it actually is. I personally, I turned it into a hobby, so I wouldn't have to have a manager and I wouldn't have to deal with any of that other stuff because I knew that's not something that I wanted to do. And that's not something that I wanted to handle. I recommend to people in the future, if you find yourself thinking about this, are you doing it because you like the feeling of getting attention on social media, which there's nothing wrong with that, but are you doing it because you like the attention on social media because numbers on social media feel really important to you or are you doing it because you really really enjoy it like deeply you enjoy every or almost every aspect of it and you're doing it because it's your passion i you just ask that question and i feel like whatever answer you give is a pretty you know obvious um indication of which direction you should head all right <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for like taking your time for well, your evening. No, uh, of course. Uh, I'm so glad that I could help. Um, you, you can follow. No, thanks, Alex. <laughs> um, on TikTok. And this has been the last episode. Thank you for tuning in to the last episode of the Serendipity Podcast. And I hope to be back for a second season in the foreseeable future.